guys, welcome to the Twiniversity Podcast, a show created exclusively for parents of twins. I'm your host, Natalie Diaz. I am a mom of twins. I am also the Twiniversity founder, and I am the best-selling author of the book, What to Do When You're Having Two. Our goal at Twiniversity is to make sure that you always feel connected, we laugh at the little things, and we really do get to teach you a few tricks along the way. And that is what we hope this podcast is about to do. So welcome to Twiniversity. Hey gang, if you are pregnant with twins, make sure to do your research on banking cord blood. Your newborn's umbilical cord blood contains powerful stem cells that have already been used to regenerate healthy blood and immune systems in transplant medicine. These stem cells are also being investigated for their potential use in regenerative medicine. Preserving your child's newborn stem cells at birth is an opportunity to provide access to current and potential future stem cell treatment options for you and your family. Learn more at cordblood.com or call 1-88-CORD-BLOOD. Use code DUO2 for special twins pricing through Twiniversity. We got another great show for you today. Today we are talking with mom, Jenna Morton. Jenna is a mom to identical twin boys, Rory and Alistair, who are now age seven, and she even has an older daughter, Clara, who's about to turn nine. Now, the boys and mom are survivors of twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. It's a rare condition that occurs when abnormal blood vessel connections form in the twin's shared placenta. It creates an uneven blood flow between the babies, and it's not always the best situation, but... Jenna is a best case scenario, and that's what leads her to tell her story often and to take on both volunteer and professional roles related to their premature birth journey. In addition to being a parent, Jenna is also a parenting journalist. She's the contributing editor of Family First, a quarterly magazine published in her province of New Brunswick, and she's also been a community digital-based journalist for five years now on her website as well. She's also a host, hello, I love that, of three podcasts. One is a community-focused weekly interview show called Pickle Planet. She also hosts another show on behalf of the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses called NeoChats and With You in the NICU. And that's a production of the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation. So without further ado, let's meet Jenna. Hey, Jenna. Hi, Natalie. I love that we were just having a... 20 minute conversation about churning butter and all these other things. And now we have to, we have to get back to our serious topic, but truthfully, um, this is something that only happens to us, right? Our little weird community. We have uh, a lot of TTTS survivors, not all are super positive. And I guess it depends on what your, your term for positive is. You know, if you have bumps along the road and you end up needing surgery, ultimately, if things are okay, is that a positive experience still? Because there's, there's a lot of ways to view this. So we really want to do, we want to hear your story. So you have your boys and you have your older daughter. So you had already experienced what a pregnancy was like. Now you get pregnant with this, this crazy bonus baby in the batch. That's what I like to call it. Oh, yes. Now we find out they're identical and they're sharing um, a salad bowl is the way that I was referring to it. I love that description. Yes, because some people, because it's like they're eating out of the same dish. I was trying actually to describe twin to twin transfusion syndrome to somebody who's having identicals. And I was explaining to her, you know, this is something that you have to be on the lookout for. And if your doctor says this, this is just what it means. And so I said, 
you know, you have this salad dish and uh, basically one starts becoming a super piggy and eating everything on the dish and the other one can't get their fork into the dish. And so it's, it's, it's no good for either way. So this was my kind of like quick and dirty TTTS explanation by the way, in our driveway, standing six feet apart <laughs> as I'm yelling to her. This is what you have to look forward to. So once you found out that you were having your dudes, that they were sharing a placenta, was that something that was even on your radar? It, it wasn't, it wasn't. So what happened with us, and I think in part of the reason why I became an advocate and I, I talk about it a fair amount, mm-hmm is because things happened so quickly and then so best case scenario that I never had time to stress about whether it was going to happen. We were thrown into it. So uh, so we had our daughter. She was just over a year when I got pregnant the second time. Okay. I popped really early, we thought. We didn't really have any concerns. We knew what the dates were. We weren't worried about early testing. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have an ultrasound until 19 weeks. What? Yeah. Yeah. So 19 weeks on a Monday, I went in and I get my first ultrasound. Okay. And the week before my family doctor had done the Doppler and she was like, "Eh, yeah, maybe it could be twins. The, The heartbeat's a little fast, but there was no like, oh, I think we should check this out. Like maybe you're having twins. Okay. No, I thought I was having one went to my ultrasound 19 weeks. Nope. You're having twins. So we're like, okay. And then we're kind of like, this is kind of cool. This is exciting. We'd always talked about maybe having three kids. And after the one, my husband was like, okay, we'll try one more. <laughs> <laughs> like, Well, universe decided, here we go. So we, we got happy. We got excited. We told our family, we told Facebook that night. Tuesday, I'm sitting at my desk and I get a phone call, which is really weird because no one ever called me at work. And it's the hospital, the maternal fetal unit saying, mm-hmm. can you come in today? Like, okay. And I thought this was just something that they did for multiple pregnancies. And I had been to the maternal fetal unit with our daughter because I had some high blood pressure and things at the end of my okay. first pregnancy. So I wasn't scared to go there. The idea of going there was like, oh yeah, I'm on your radar. Now I'm yeah. having twins. I'll come mm-hmm. in. So Tuesday we go in and both of the maternal fetal specialists come in. And then they're Googling things and they're pulling books down off the shelf. Okay. And my husband, especially whose brother and father are both doctors, was like, this, what are you guys doing? Yeah. What's going on? They start throwing around these words like, okay, this is not something they just do for multiple pregnancies. There's something happening. So then they explain twin to twin, not with a salad bowl, but with some diagrams that made sense. Okay. (laughs) And they tell us that they think based on what they can see that we're at stage three. And anyone who knows TTTS knows that it's generally within five stages. Mm -hmm. Stage five is not what you want to hear. So they told us they think we're at stage three. They think I'm a viable candidate for a laser ablation surgery, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't happen where we live. It happens a couple provinces away. Okay. Let's pause here because the people that are listening are like, what the heck does that mean? So explain to us. So there's there's five different stages of TTTS. One is like, hey, you know, we're just having identicals. 
yeah, yeah. maybe watch. Looks like maybe they're going to share that salad bowl, that placenta. Keep an eye on things. That's one of the reasons why you should get early ultrasounds. So you know this. Yes. And so stage two is? They start to see maybe a little bit of a difference in the blood flow and they start to kind of watch and, you know, start to watch the growth. So if you, if you're doing your regular ultrasounds and suddenly one baby seems to be growing more than the other, Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, usually they do this around the same rate. If things start to be unequal, there's worries. Mm -hmm. By the time we were seen, there was significant difference between the two babies by the time we, so Monday we found out twins, Tuesday we find out TTTS, Wednesday morning we got on the plane, flew to Toronto, which is like most of your listeners are probably in the US, 900 or so miles, I think, okay. away. Uh, we go into the specialist and we were viable candidates. Uh, you know, I was healthy enough, the babies weren't, you know, you have to be far enough along. Mm-hmm the TTTS stages for the surgery to be considered, but mm-hmm. you can't be too far. It's this and also really far weird window. Pregnancy. So exactly. it's a pregnancy as well. If you, you yeah. know, if you just found out and there was already a donor and recipient twin, which is the one eating all the salad and one not getting enough salad, you know, if it's too soon in your pregnancy, you're not a viable candidate for the surgery. Yeah. So there, there really is kind of this like perfect window that you get to look, to look into. And, you know, Jenna, what's, what's so crazy is that I know that, you know, I don't want to say like a large percentage of identical families have to deal with this, but definitely a percentage. And so when we teach to university class, one of the first things we always talk about is, you know, what, who you are, where you're from, what are you having? And let us know if they're identicals. And so to me, to be very honest with you, the reason why I ask them that is that I know who may need a little extra handholding. So if they're saying identical, and I have noticed, and I don't know if you've noticed this because with your podcast and your guests, maybe you've noticed this. Personally, putting my professional Twiniversity hat on, I have noticed a huge uptick in identical twin families. That's interesting. I don't know that I've noticed that same uptick. I certainly have notice that the same as you said when when you meet people now that when i meet people who are expecting twins Mm -hmm. i do i make that point of finding out do you know yet if they're identical Mm -hmm. and since we've gone through our situation pretty much i think every family who's expected identicals who connect with our local community Mm -hmm. our local mom group and parent group uh, my husband and i both speak up right away and say hey if you're having identicals know this exists. Please mm-hmm. try not to be worried about it, but make sure you're getting the right ultrasounds that you're getting followed and that you know what to look for. Because we certainly didn't know, but we also didn't have that time to know. And and in some ways, I, I, I feel really lucky mm-hmm. that we didn't have weeks and weeks of, is it going to happen to us? Mm-hmm. We just landed right in that middle of that perfect window and hopped on a plane and we went and we had the surgery and everything was best case scenario. Like it just, the surgery worked by the time, by the time we had gone from where we live here in New Brunswick and flew to Toronto, Ontario and had the surgery, we had progressed to the point by the time I went in, they had stopped noticing bladder function. Wow. Wow. It it was there when we got there to Toronto. Okay. Which is why we were viable. But by the time we went in the next morning for the surgery, 
they couldn't see it anymore. And so I know like if, if I had been a day later, mm-hmm. if that ultrasound had been Tuesday instead of Monday, mm-hmm. I, I don't think both our boys would be wow. downstairs right now. It was all, and then the surgery worked, which it doesn't for everyone. A lot of people get to that point where they get yeah. to have the surgery yeah. and it still doesn't come out best case yeah. scenario. Um, but for us, it did right away. His bladder function started to come back. Um, I was feeling better because I hadn't realized the pressure it had put on me either. Mm-hmm. They took, it was like three liters of fluid or something, like some ridiculous amount of excess fluid that I had been carrying, which is mm-hmm. the other thing, right? It's not just, you know, the twins that are at risk, the mother's mm-hmm. at risk, mm-hmm. but that didn't even factor into my yeah. thinking at the time. It was just, no, if, if there's any chance that we can do something, we're going to do it. And thankfully for us, we used to live in that city. And so we were able to, we were discharged. We were able to stay one night with friends and get to see a lot of our friends, which was, and I had family in the city too, which was huge. And then because we have such great care where we are, the hospital that we have couldn't do the surgery, Mm -hmm. but they could do the follow-up and they have a really great NICU. So we were allowed to come home, which also doesn't happen to a lot of families who don't live in big centers. Mm -hmm. So we came home. So that was at 20 weeks. And we made it to 32 weeks before we had to intervene. And within those weeks, we went in every week to two weeks Mm -hmm. for an ultrasound to make sure things were going as they should. And to, again, to measure, to make sure that it hadn't reoccurred, Mm -hmm. which of course can happen, uh, to make sure that everyone's bladders were working and hearts weren't being overworked and all that. So around 30 weeks, we noticed that uh, baby B was not growing the way he should not growing as much as his brother. So by 32 weeks, we pulled the plug, which when we had asked the specialists who did the surgery, uh, I, to this day, I mean, you know, it's almost eight years ago now, I can still picture Dr. Windrum sitting on the bed and us saying, you know, what, what is the average They, you know, they knew their stats, they knew their numbers, we're like, we're numbers people. Mm-hmm. What is our best case? He's like, most of our families after having surgery, we'll make it to 32 weeks. And that's exactly what we hit. Wow. And, you know, when we were trying to get there, yeah, we didn't look at that 32. You know, we, we very much tried to focus on, okay, can we make it to 24? Mm-hmm. Can we make it to 26? Can we make it to 28? You know, try to hit all those milestones that anyone who's gone through premature birth will will understand you know there's mm-hmm. there's all those different markers of you know when risk factors drop off and drop off and drop off and yeah 32 weeks we had a c-section no complications one boy was three pounds 13 ounces the wow. other was two pounds 5.5 ounces Aww. so obviously there was that yeah. discrepancy there but both of them came out crying wow. their apgars were like off the charts that's um, that's I, I want to say it was like a nine and a 10 for their apgars. We were like, I don't even think our daughters were that high. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course, you know, soon after they needed the CPAP and they needed yeah. the time in the NICU. And so we spent 35 days in the NICU. So they were both home by their yeah. due date, which again, like it was just everything that could have went right, went yeah. right for us. Oh, and so fortunate. It is. And so anytime anyone ever asks me to talk about it, anytime anyone has, you know, asked us to volunteer, you know, as peer support at the hospital, mm-hmm. anything like that, both of us have, my husband and I step up and say yes every time yeah, because we're able to talk about it. And we know even locally, 
we know families who haven't been as lucky who have dealt with twin to twin. Yeah. And it's, so it's, it's, you really, really are. Now I have a question about the surgery. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what is, what, what was that surgery like? So you, you know, you get admitted, you go to labor and delivery. Is it the women's pavilion? Where, where do you yes. get, go into? Yeah, we went into like a maternal fetal specialized unit. Okay. Um, parts of it are kind of fuzzy because it was, it was kind of tunnel vision, right? We were yeah. so intensely thrown it's into so this. It's so quick. I mean, it with, was it's so, so quick. That's unbelievable. Yeah, but it was, it was, yeah, it was a women and children's section and okay. it was uh it was a teaching hospital so okay. my husband tells me there were about 20 people in oh. the room while, while they did the Good. surgery I'm like Love I remember it. them asking me I'm like yeah sure like mm-hmm. you know the more that people can find out about this the better yes. yes because there's so much you know we know there are so many undetected cases we know there's so much more we can still learn and mm-hmm. you know even if this had happened you know 10 15 years ago the surgery 15 years ago didn't even really exist yet yeah it, you know it's it's still such a new piece of medicine that mm-hmm. anything we could do to help it's like yeah come on in um for the surgery I wasn't out I was you know I I, I was drugged up a bit okay. so things are a little fuzzy okay but I was awake for it okay and I could watch what was happening they had the wow. screen up so I could see what they were doing and I could hear the little the little pops so what happens with the surgery is basically the, you know, your, your, your two babies who are fighting over that salad, their, their mm-hmm. forks, <laughs> their umbilical cords are connecting. And so they have to cauterize that. Mm-hmm. And so they take the laser and they, they snap it and you can hear these little pops. Mm-hmm. And so there were 17 of them for my surgery. There were 17 places where they wow. cauterized. And then this gush of extra fluid and just, you know, it was, it was really surreal and really special. I mean, how many people get to see mm-hmm. inside their uterus yeah. <laughs> while they're pregnant? Yeah. Like not just, you know, an ultrasound, but like, this is like, you know, massive equipment. And I said, my husband, his family is in medicine. He was just fascinated. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it, it helped for him to have that interest in it because mm-hmm. he didn't get wrapped up in anxiety and you know it didn't freak him out to be in a medical setting yeah and so he was able to kind of detach a little bit from his emotions and be able to focus on oh i'm going to really understand the science of what's happening here mm-hmm. which was really helpful i think for him because there was you know all that as emotional as it is as the mother going through it i mean the the partner can't even really do anything yeah. right like you can there's a whole other world of emotions, right? Of you thinking, what did, what could I have done differently? What could my body have done differently? And there's nothing, there's nothing. It it just happens. There's, you can't play that game, even though you're going to, but when it's not even your body that it's happening to, that's a whole other world of emotions to try to deal with. So again, we were both really lucky that, you know, we, we'd been through some things before. So we were able to have really good communication with each other. We knew what our strengths and weaknesses were, and we knew when to ask for help and who to ask for help Mm -hmm. when we needed it. And, you know, it's funny, we're we're recording this in the time of COVID. And Mm -hmm. I, I joke a lot that, you know, that's, this is nothing for me compared to (laughs) what we went through waiting for those boys, right? I spent 12 weeks on modified bed rest at home. Mm-hmm. So for 12 weeks, I didn't leave except to go 
to the hospital for my appointments. We worried about, you know, infections. And then we did, you know, our NICU stay where, you know, every day and every time you go in, you're washing your arms up to your elbows Mm -hmm. and under your fingernails. We're like, yeah, COVID, we got this. We we can handle all these measures. (laughs) I'm literally, Jenna, like literally you're, you're preaching to the choir because I've said that dozens of times that this is, yes, it's stressful, of course, doesn't nobody want to go through it. But I think for parents that had been in the NICU or had had difficult pregnancies, this is a walk in the park. I could do quarantine like nobody's business because I had already been, you know, it wasn't quarantine, but you know, the bed rest. And then after they came home from the hospital. So we have been there and done that. And on this note, I want to take a little break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the post-delivery experience of having TTTS survivors in the NICU. So sit there and uh, we'll be right back. Hey, cats and kittens. So you guys know that in addition to being the big cheese at Twiniversity and the author of What to Do When You're Having To, I am also the world's leading expert on twin gear. Did you guys know that? It's the truth. I am constantly keeping an eye on the products that are out there for you now, in addition to keeping an eye on the horizon for twin items to come. So that's why I'm so excited to tell you that today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Baby Trend. So if you're creating a baby registry for twins, you guys got to keep Baby Trend at the top of that list. Baby Trend offers so many incredible products just for twins. From the original Snap and Go Double, which is one of the gold standards of Twiniversity, to the Gold Light Twins Nursery Center, which is so super sweet. You guys got to check it out. Baby Trend has always placed our twin families at the forefront of their product line and also their product development line. It's amazing with the stuff that they keep coming out with. So for more information, visit babytrend.com. And you guys will see firsthand exactly what I'm talking about because they will have a plethora of items just for you. All right, so we're back. I always like to say that. And we're back. So Jenna, when the babies were born and they're in the NICU, do was there anything different about their NICU experience because you had this kind of donor recipient situation? Did either of them require more intervention because of the position that they played in TTTS? For us, not really. There are some cases where there are, you know, one baby has more of an impact than the other. Mm -hmm. For us, um, other than the size there wasn't a lot of residual impact. Okay. So, so like I said, one boy was three pounds, 13 ounces. The other boy was two pounds, 5.5 ounces. So guess who took longer to meet all his milestones and get to come home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was your basic kind of feeding and growing type stuff. There wasn't, um, you know, a lot of TTS babies, you know, there can be kidney issues and heart issues and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. We were again, really lucky so far and we're you know seven years out now we haven't had anything pop up other than the fact that you know one of them especially still is smaller and doesn't want to eat uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know unless it's grilled cheese sandwiches all day long uh, there's always <laughs> one of those that's, you know, that's, that's got that's nothing to do with TTTS. Yeah. <laughs> that has to do with the, the pepperoni a pizza chicken nugget yes. grilled cheese mac and cheese child yes that's pretty yeah. much the extent of uh my that's my baby a 
still yeah I can't I don't even understand you know, it was like you know what if it's food it's food. like there's yeah, something going in there it. I'm okay um, but sauce. you know we do exactly we do the uh you know the pretty typical measure them against the wall see how much people mm-hmm. are growing and so our daughter who's a year and a half older uh you know we measure her and then we measure the boys and yeah you know little baby b he's always still just a little bit shorter and for now mm-hmm. it doesn't stand out a lot but uh we figured that as he gets older, it's actually going to to show up a little bit more that okay. uh, instead of them being the same height, I think, you know, down the road, you'll see the difference. And, you know, they're, they're identical. Mm-hmm. To me, they don't look identical mm-hmm. at all. And, you know, physically, when you look at them, if you look, you can see the difference in terms of their height and things that. That's you, age. Jenna. That's like not an average. No, no, no but <laughs> what identical moms are like. I could totally see the difference, and I'm oh, like, no, okay, the you? whole like the whole scene, the fit, like their face not looking the same. That's me. Okay, but physically, like if you turn them back to back, okay, like their daycare teachers or even like their school teachers now, we're like, yeah, if I stand them together, I can tell which one mm-hmm. Rory is because he's the shorter one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at this age with identicals, you don't usually see that so much. Yeah. So there's that little physical bit there that, and yeah, I know the face thing. That's totally me. No, everyone else thinks they look the same. Everybody's <laughs> like, can't you see it? I'm like, no. No, no most and of their like, friends it, can't like, even I'll, tell them apart. I'll, I'll meet identicals when, like, after babies are born, sometimes I'll help the moms with breastfeeding. And so I'll go there and I'm like, no, I literally, they just look like two Winston Churchill babies to me. Yeah. That's basically, that's all I see. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be mean. No, no, I love when identical moms are like, no, you could totally tell. Oh, Oh, no, I don't think other people can unless it's by height. (laughs) Yes. You can see the difference in height between them, which is because of the twin to twin. Wow. (laughs) Because otherwise they're both, they're both en route to be like, they should be six feet tall by the time they're, you know, high school. Because my husband is tall like that. Not (sighs) me. They don't get that from me. giant babies. I love it. Now, do they have any more follow-up or did they have, did they have any more follow-up with like, you know, kind of like an early intervention therapies or like, was there something standard for you that happened after they were born? Uh, I, I would say all the follow-up that we did had more to do with prematurity rather than twin to twin specific. Mm -hmm. So because they were premature, we had a good two years of follow-up. We have a lot of really good protocols good. in place here in our province. And so we had pretty much full two years of every, I would say every couple of months, at least we were in to see the neonatologist. Okay. Um, we did speech therapy. We did occupational therapy. We did, we had home visits for the first little while um, from public health nurse who would come and do like check in on me, but also do, you know, developmental stuff with them. She'd have mm-hmm. the, you know, the developmental tests and whatever. Um, and yeah, they were a little bit slow to hit some of the milestones, but not so slow that there was ever an issue. And okay. we were pretty, we were pretty relaxed in the idea of, you know, we weren't worried. Oh my gosh, you have to hit that milestone, that, yeah. that you know, eight month milestone at eight months. Like you get it by the time you're 12 months, I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you, you make it, I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the boys does have a very mild cerebral palsy, okay. which we're not sure if it was from the twin to twin or just, you know, it's a higher incidence among twins in general. Yeah. Um, again, it's so mild that we weren't the ones to catch it. Hmm. It wasn't until they were two years old 
and uh, this specialist was brought in from another city again, uh, a neurology specialist, and she asked our son to run down the hall and made me stand and watch him run. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until she pointed out the mm -hmm. way that he would drag one foot a bit when he ran and now when i look back at like videos i have of them as babies i'm like how did i not see that he didn't use that leg yeah <laughs> but he could mom like, he of the year like, right here guys we're talking to her congratulations yeah, yeah. It's, it is you know i think when you have twins there's a lot of things that you don't notice because you're just trying to make sure nobody's choking on something they're not climbing on something or destroying yeah. property of someone else's uh, mm -hmm. And if you have children, by the way, listener, that are perfect, then clearly this does not apply to you. But, you know, I hear word on the street is that often twins are a little bit of a handful. So, yeah, oh, missing yeah. milestones. And, and it's not even a milestone, but like missing something small, that's not uncommon at all. And obviously, I mean, thank goodness that I don't think you're, you're beating yourself up too much about it. But yeah, there's, there's a million things. I mean, even people who have significant speech delays, people don't notice that because there's just always chatter going on. Exactly. And well, you're yeah, just and like, you, oh, well, you know, I hear it. Words are coming out. I assumed that that's what everybody yeah. Well, and you like. see the facial cues and the other cues. Mm -hmm. and you because, Just like you can tell your kids apart when they're identical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what that kid meant. Doesn't mean anyone else would understand. Exactly. Exactly. So there's there there might be um, some more things along the road, but there's there's a lot of TTTS survivors that you know are older now, and so you're definitely in you know a good area because we could learn from each other, which is great. And um, I really do, Jenna. It's important for me for you to tell everybody how to find you. And I know that everyone's going to be subscribing to um, the pods because clearly they're podcast people. <laughs> that listen to this right now. So that's kind of a, that's kind yes. of a no brainer. And I love that you have such a variety of podcasts, but with you in the NICU, definitely one of the best podcast names I've ever heard. It's fantastic. And that has been such a fun project to work on. So that's through the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation. And so because it's a national organization, they've lined up this just, uh, every time they send me a new guest, I'm like, this is amazing. How do I get to talk to these people all the time? Right? Mm -hmm. Like just like national experts in breastfeeding and milestones and, you know, everything that has to do before and after the NICU experience is in that podcast. And it's just they're really relaxed conversations, right? It, it's not a lot of technical stuff. Mm -hmm. um, the other podcast that I do, Neo Chats, gets a little bit more technical because it's for specifically for the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses. Mm -hmm. So it tends to be a tad more technical, but I host it and I'm not a neonatal nurse, so it's not super technical. So it's still very accessible, you know, to parents who want to know a little bit more. And that podcast we launched as we were in the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, okay. So the, the first four episodes are all about how NICUs and nurses in Canada were responding to what was happening. And so we had some really great uh, neonatologists and specialists on that show as well. And uh, then my other one, the Pickle Planet Moncton podcast is my personal one. So that's my, my website is called Pickle Planet Moncton, Moncton being the place where we live. And Pickle was a nickname for my daughter when she was little. So it's the Pickle Planet. It's a parenting website and parenting, you know, everything local. And so that podcast that comes out weekly is all kinds of parents and parent-related stuff. So, you know, we talk to a, a rock and roll singer about, you know, life on the road as a dad. And we talk to 
about, you know, um, other families who have had challenges with their children with fertility. We talk mm -hmm. about breast milk donation. We talk about, you know, right now we're talking about a lot about local, how to, you know, stay in your backyard and have fun, that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. So that one's a, that one's a lot of fun and doesn't necessarily focus on twin life or preemie life, but you know, that, that's my life. So sometimes yeah. it's in there too. <laughs> I, I love it. And so, and you have your blog too. Yes. Yeah. Pickle Plant in Moncton has been going, it'll be five years. Aww. Yeah. It's just coming up on five years. So the boys were just about two when that started. Cause it was like, Oh, they're two. They can, you know, kind of move around a little bit. I don't have to be totally hands-on. Maybe I should write again. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I personally, I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your crazy days for, you know, not only for speaking with us today, but honestly for all that you do and sharing your story and, you know, you need that positivity because, you know, there's this, this saying, I don't know if it's a proverb, I don't know if it's just a saying, but, you know, you could go X amount of days without food, you could go X amount of days without water, but you can't go even a minute without hope. And this is one of those times when you need to hear the positive, because if you go Google TTTS, I am telling you right now, you are not going to find the positives first. So Jenna, really, I really just want to say thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. Yay. Okay, guys. And we got to go because you have to go back to your grocery shopping, um, whatever the heck you're doing. And we wish you that, you know, have a safe trip today and get out of your car maybe at some point. I know the babies may be sleeping, but at some point we all have to go back to normal. So thanks so much for listening. And if you have questions for me or if you have questions for Jenna or if you need more information on TTTS, you could email us at community at twiniversity.com. And don't forget, we have a ton, ton, ton of resources at twiniversity.com including really great stories about TTTS survivors. So you are not alone. We are in this together way before this COVID thing. We've been saying that. So hi, that's what twin parents do. We have been in this together since, uh, I don't know, the dawn of the planet. I think that's probably when. And so guys, I love you guys. Until next time, I will see you later, alligators. Thanks for listening.